Chapter 31, Medicine. At breakfast, Sari said, Everybody's a little quiet this morning. Uh-huh, Tiller said. Florida swallowed a mouthful of waffle. That was a putrid storm last night, she said. I had some mighty awful nightmares. Why, me too, Sari said. I got attacked by a red-tailed dinosaur. You did, Florida said. I got trapped by a boat underwater. My boat sank, Tiller said, with me in it. I got pushed by a wave into a jungle with man-eating rats, Dallas said. Hmm, Sari said. Looks like we need a little bed, bad dream medicine. Medicine, Florida said. Don't want any stinking medicine. You might like this kind, Sari said, retrieving a tub of freshly made peach ice cream. Goes good with waffles, she said. Ice cream, Dallas said. For breakfast? Erases nightmares, Tiller explained. Works every time. After breakfast, when they were clearing fallen branches from the porch, Tiller said, I had a crazy notion just now. Nothing new about that, Sari said. Very funny, Tiller said. Do you want to hear my notion or not? You're going to tell us anyway, I bet, Sari said. You're awful feisty this morning, Tiller said. Go on, Sari said. Tell us your crazy notion. Nah, it's too stupid. Tell us, Florida said. Even if it's stupid, tell us. Okay, Tiller said. I had this crazy notion that maybe we all ought to have some rehearsals. What sort of rehearsals, Dallas asked. Like for a play? We don't know how to do plays and stuff. No, not a play. You know how you kids went out and had a little trial run with our equipment? Well, like that. Only this time, it'd be me and Florida trying out our boat. Just a little close-by kind of trip. A day or two or three. And Dallas and Sari could take a trial hike, since they're going to have to hike so much when they get up to Kangadoom. They could hike out of the holler, camp somewhere, hike some more, you know, try out the boots and tents and compasses and stuff. Crazy notion, huh? Everyone else was quiet. Dallas was remembering the huge wave in the rat-filled jungle. Florida was thinking about being caught under the boat. And Sari was recalling the red-tailed dinosaur. Maybe not so crazy, Florida said. Not so entirely crazy. Maybe not crazy at all, Dallas said. Sari leaned against Tiller. Maybe it's a tiny little genius idea. Genius, Tiller said. Me? Don't you go getting a big head, Sari said. I said maybe it was a tiny little genius idea. That's all I said. Chapter 32, Paddling and Hiking. The air was heavy and hot, and the clear water of the hidden river was smooth and still. How long have we been slapping these paddles in the water, Florida asked. About 80 gazillion hours? Four hours, Tiller said. You tired? You stop paddling when you're tired. I can carry on back here. I've never paddled a boat before, Florida said. Is that right, Tiller said. I wouldn't have guessed that. Florida turned around to look at Tiller. His straw hat shaded his eyes and made crisscross marks on the upper half of his face. I know you're not telling the truth, Florida said. I know we're getting a bit troubled when we first, when we first started off, and I couldn't get the hang of this paddle thing, and I nearly tipped us over a hundred times. It takes a little time to get the fill of a boat, Tiller said. 
I wasn't doing so hot myself when we first set off. He gazed at the banks and at the sky overhead. He'd wanted to turn back a hundred times. What am I doing here? He kept asking himself. How come this is called Hidden River? Florida asked. Because it's not on any map. At least not any map I've ever seen, Tiller said. How'd you know it was here then? My father and I found it. I've been down here many times and I know right where it goes, Tiller said. Then how come it's not on a map? Tiller shrugged. Not everything is on maps. Well, if this river that is here is not on a map, how do you know that there are rivers that are on the maps are really there? We don't know. Not exactly. Guess we'll find out, Tiller said. You mean we might end up in a dried up, smelly ditch someplace and be lost and maybe starved to death in a lost place that nobody knows about? And I think we'll be okay, he said. She sure has a lot of questions, he thought. Why didn't I just come by myself? You've got to admit, this is mighty peaceful, he said. Florida stared ahead at the river, a long, sparkly, slithering thing disappearing around a bend in the distance. It's peaceful, all right, Florida said, except for these dang mosquitoes and flies. She slapped at her arms. How come there are so many bugs out here? Probably no bats around these parts, Tiller said. Bats? You ever notice all those bats in the holler? The ones that come out at dusk? Those flying rat things, Florida said. Those are bats, Tiller said. You ever notice how there aren't any mosquitoes in Ruby Holler? Now that you mention it, I did notice that, Florida said. How come you don't have any mosquitoes in Ruby Holler? Because of the bats, Tiller said. The bats eat them. Bats are good. Well, I never would have guessed that any flying rat thing could be good, Florida said. But I'll take your word for it. Maybe you could whistle for some of those bats to follow us on our trip. You think Sari and Dallas have bats where they are? No idea, Tiller said. Where do you suppose they are right now? How far do you think they've hiked? Florida felt quivery talking about Sari and Dallas. It had been awful saying goodbye that morning. Tiller's friend had driven them all the way down to the river where they'd unloaded the boat and plonked it in the water. And then Tiller's friend was going to drive Sari and Dallas back to the cabin so they could set off on their hike. Florida had an odd feeling when she met Tiller's friend, as if she'd seen him somewhere before, but she couldn't place where that might have been. They'd all stood around looking at the boat, bobbing in the water until Sari said, I can hardly take all this standing around. I'm going to burst out blubbering. In a tangle, they had exchanged tugs and Tiller and Florida stood on the bank, waving goodbye. It was all Florida could do to not chase after Dallas and flee. Everything inside her head told her not to trust anybody but him. She had a sudden cold feel that this was all a trick, a plot to separate her from Dallas. She was mad at herself for letting Tiller and Sari soften them up with their good food and gentle ways. Still, something had made her get in the boat and something had made her dip her paddle in the water and something had made her look calm on the outside while she inside was still trembling like a trapped mouse. It had taken two hours for Dallas and Sari to hike beyond the limits of the holler, and now they stood on top of a ridge, looking back the way they'd come. There's a river, Dallas said. See it? Looks like a skinny brown eel. Is that Hidden River? Will we be able to see them down there, you think? Look at all those tiny houses and cars in that skinny river. It's like a playland. It's like your carvings. Sari stared off across the hills. Dallas, did you ever wonder what you were like without Florida?
How do you mean? Sari took off her hat and rumpled her hair. I mean, you two have always been together. Your whole lives. But did you ever wonder if you'd be different if you weren't with her? If you were by yourself? Dallas kicked at the dirt with his boot. He felt as if he was going to throw up. He didn't like being without Florida. He didn't like Sari's question either. I'd still be who I am, wouldn't I? I'm without her now, aren't I? Am I different? Sari studied him. Too early to tell, I guess. You've been with Tiller nearly your whole life. Are you different without him? I don't know, Sari said. Am I? Too early to tell, Dallas said. Guess we'd better move on. You've got the compass, right? Which way now? Compass, Dallas said. Chapter 33, Z's Report. In the alley shack, Z leaned against the door. So like I said, they're all, they've already done gone. They're out of there. Mr. Tripp had rubbed his hands rapidly back and forth as if he were warming them. Already? You entirely sure? They're all gone. Gone. Zappo. Z picked up, picked at the wooden door frame, loosening a splinter. Mr. Trepid paced the room, talking as, as he went. Very good. Now, will we start, now we will start the project I mentioned. Are you prepared to keep this absolutely confidential? Z spat on the floor and eyed Mr. Trepid. Listen, if you don't trust me... Oh, no, 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 no. Don't misunderstand me. Of course I know you'll keep this confidential. It's just that this is a most delicate... I got it. Just tell me what I got to do and tell me what the salary will be. How are you at map making, Mr. Trepid asked. Making map making, Z said. That don't sound too exciting to me. First, I want you to survey an area and I'll tell you what to look for. And then I'll need you to make a map marking the locations of what is it exactly I'm looking for and where am I looking? Z picked at his teeth with the splinter. Down in Ruby Holler, you find their cabin, see? And then you go about, oh, let's say 20 feet out from it in a circle, and you look for a stone. And then if you don't find it, you say, go another 30 feet out and look, and on like that until you find it, Mr. Trepid explained. He had thought about doing this himself, but he didn't like rummaging around in the woods, and it would take far too much time. A stone, Z said. Do you have all your brains? Do you know how many stones there are in the holler? My guess is about a hundred million. Unless you're talking about a special stone, like maybe it's a green one or a red one, or I don't know what it looks like, but my guess is that it's not an ordinary stone. It's probably a big one, or maybe a pile of big ones. Z raked his fingers through his matted hair. What's so special about this stone or this pile of stones? Mr. Trepid had expected this question, and he was prepared with an answer. It marks a source, an oil source, he lied. See, they were thinking of drilling up there, and I'm just a little curious as to where this oil is. Seems to me, Z said, you could have asked them. They probably would have told you. If it's on their property, what do they care who knows where it is? I'm not entirely sure it is on their property, Mr. Trepid said. So where's my salary, Z said. I ain't got all day. Mr. Trepid handed him a wad of bills. That's just a deposit. You bring me a map with any special stones marked on it, and I'll give you the rest of the money. 
Don't worry, if you find the right spot, you'll get a fine salary. Okay, boss man, but I ain't spending a year looking. I'll go see what I see, and if I don't, if I don't look too promising, I ain't going to carry on scrabbling through the dirt. When Mr. Trepp had returned to the Boxton Creek home, he found his wife lying on their bed with a wet cloth draped over her forehead. He knew better than to ask what was wrong, because she would tell him. She would tell him which child had broken a window, and which one had broken an arm. Yes. Yep. Thanks. And which one had broken an arm, and which one had tracked in mud, and which one had sassed her, and she could go on and like that for hours. So instead of asking her what was wrong, he said, I have some good news. I could use some good news because that new girl broke. It is very good news. How would you like to leave this place and go off to an island somewhere? Mrs. Trepp had slipped the cloth off her face and sat up. You have a mighty poor idea of a joke, she said. I'm not joking. I think in a little time, very soon maybe, we might be coming into some money. And where exactly is this money coming from? Is it going to drop down from heaven and land at our feet? Let's just say I've got some investments. Some investments that should be coming through any day now. There was a knock at their door. From outside, Morgan said, Ma'am, it's time to be getting dinner together. Mrs. Trepp had swung her legs over the side of the bed and stood up. Oh, spare me, she said.